Welcome back and happy Tuesday, March 9th, 2021. James Freeman over at the Wall Street Journal postulated some thoughts I too have been turning over in my head recently. What would the Gippers' reactions be to China today? Ronald Reagan had all the right instincts about the threat of communist China, it seems to me. And indeed, in 1971, when the U.N. voted to expel Taiwan and admit Red China, do you know what Reagan proposed? Leaving the U.N. I don't think many people remember that, but that is what Ronald Reagan suggested, advised Richard Nixon. We should consider the U.N. a debating society, refuse to even vote in it, and walk away. Well, that has never happened. But here's James Freeman in today's Wall Street Journal. As China has gone through both some political and economic revolutions since 1971, beginning in the 1970s, China pulled millions of people out of poverty by embracing elements of a market economy. Unfortunately, the lesson seems to be forgotten as the regime now increasingly relies on central planning. Reports of fraudulent, wasteful projects have marred Mr. Xi's campaign to eliminate rural poverty, a centerpiece of his China dream, particularly after 2015, when he ordered that officials sign pledges to meet poverty relief targets and be held accountable if things went wrong. The story, <clears throat> the story illustrates that with or without Chinese characteristics, central planning doesn't work. As U.S. president in the 1980s, Ronald Reagan welcomed China's move toward a more open society and encouraged its leaders to continue expanding liberty. They didn't. Violently suppressing calls for political freedom in Tiananmen Square just months after he left office, for example. Five years earlier, in an address to students at Fudan University in Shanghai, President Reagan described a political system that was very different from the rule of the Beijing Politburo. He said, sometimes in America, some of our people may disagree with each other. We are often a highly disputatious nation. We rather like to argue. We are free to disagree among ourselves, and we do. But we always hold together as a society. We've held together for more than 200 years because we're united by certain things in which we all believe, things to which we've quietly pledged our deepest loyalties. I draw your special attention to what I'm about to say because it's so important to an understanding of my country. We believe in the dignity of each man, woman, and child. Our entire system is founded on an appreciation of the special genius of each individual and of his special right to make his own decisions and lead his own life. We believe, and we believe it so deeply that Americans knows, knows the, that Americans know these words by heart. We believe that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, and among those are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Close quote. Joe Biden would call it the thing. I think in our engagement with China until now, we've forgotten some of this, as well as an elemental and foundational aspect of economic conservatism, that there cannot in the long run be economic liberty without political liberty. Many had been fooled into thinking there could be, particularly regarding China, or that economic liberty or at least liberalization would lead to political liberty. Fallacious. What happened instead was the economic liberty became a short burst and then receded. We should have learned this from our best economic teacher, Milton Friedman. It seems we did not. 
In his most important and landmark book, Capitalism and Freedom, written in 1962, Milton Friedman puts this right up front in the first chapter. I quote liberally. It is widely believed that politics and economics are separate and largely unconnected. That individual freedom is a political problem and material welfare an economic problem. And that any kind of political arrangements can be combined with any kind of economic arrangements. The chief contemporary manifestation of this idea is the advocacy of democratic socialism by many who condemn out of hand the restrictions on individual freedom imposed by totalitarian socialism in Russia, and who are yet persuaded that it is possible for a country to adopt the essential features of Russian economic arrangements and yet to ensure individual freedom throughout the political arrangements. My thesis is that such a view is a delusion, that there is an intimate connection between economics and politics, that only certain combinations of political and economic arrangements are possible, and that in particular, a society is social, that is, which is socialist cannot also be democratic in the sense of guaranteeing individual freedom. Historical evidence speaks with a single voice on the relation between political freedom and a free market. I know of no example in time or place of a society that had been marked by a large measure of political freedom and that has not also used something comparable to a free market to organize the bulk of economic activity. History suggests only that capitalism is a necessary condition for political freedom. Clearly, it is, however, not a sufficient condition. The force of this abstract argument can perhaps best be demonstrated by a hypothetical example. One feature of a free society is surely the freedom of individuals to advocate and propagandize openly for a radical change in the structure of the society, so long as the advocacy is restricted to persuasion and does not include coercion. How could the freedom to advocate capitalism be preserved and protected in a socialist society? In order for men to advocate anything, they must in the first place be able to earn a living. This already raises a problem in a socialist society since all jobs are under the direct control of political authority. For ad advocacy of capitalism to mean anything, the proponents must be able to finance their cause, to hold public meetings, publish pamphlets, buy radio time, issue newspapers and magazines, or at least ads, and so on. How could they raise the funds? There might and probably would be men in the socialist society with large incomes, perhaps even large capital sums in the form of government bonds and the like, but these would of necessity be high public officials. It is possible to conceive of a minor socialist official retaining his job, although openly advocating capitalism. It strains credulity, however, to imagine the socialist top brass financing such subversive activities. Now you see the problem in China, right? Anyway, back to Friedman, if I may. Let us stretch our imagination and suppose that a socialist government is aware of this problem and is composed of people anxious to preserve freedom. Could it provide the funds? Perhaps. But it is difficult to see how it could establish a bureau for subsidizing subversive propaganda. But how could it choose whom to support? If it gave to all who asked, it would shortly find itself out of funds. For socialism cannot repeal the elementary economic law that a sufficiently high price will call forth a large supply. Make the advocacy of radical causes sufficiently remunerative and the supply of advocates will be unlimited.
but we are not, not yet through. In a free market society, is it, a, it is enough to have the it, it is enough to have the funds. The suppliers of paper are as willing to sell it to the daily worker as to the Wall Street Journal. In a socialist society, it would not be enough to have the funds. The hypothetical supporter of capitalism would have to persuade a government factory making paper to sell to him. The government printing press to print his pamphlets. A government post office to distribute them among the people. A government agency to rent him a hall in which to talk, and so on. Perhaps there is some way in which one could overcome these difficulties and preserve freedom in a socialist society. One cannot say it is utterly impossible. What is clear, however, is that there are very real difficulties in establishing institutions will effectively preserve the possibility of dissent. So far as I know, none of the people who have been in favor of socialism and also in favor of freedom have really faced up to this issue or made even a respectable start at developing the institutional arrangements that would permit freedom under socialism. Irving Kristol had similar views, writing... It is simply not true, as one sometimes hears it said, that a market economy generates, as if by parthenogenesis, a system of political liberty, with the individual having rights both against government and in government. Still, it is clear that one can have a considerable degree of economic freedom with very little political liberty, at least for a while. But the converse is not true. Economic freedom may not be a sufficient condition for such liberty, but it is a necessary condition. Never in human history has one seen a society of political liberty that was not based on a free economic system, i.e. a system based on private property, where normal economic activity consisted of commercial transactions between consenting adults. Never, 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 no exceptions. Why is that? Well, to have a political regime, a liberal political regime, without a system of economic freedom one would need a very special kind of citizenry with a very special conception of liberty. These citizens would have to be special in two crucial respects. One, they would not regard economic growth, or to be more precise, the economic prosperity of the individual, as a very important good. For individuals do not prosper in economies where they possess no economic freedom. The state may prosper. It may become strong militarily or be able to build wonderful cathedrals and pyramids, but only where individuals actually prefer such prosperity of the state to a prosperity of their own can political liberty exist without economic freedom. Two, they would have to share such a powerful, powerful consensus of beliefs and values that the political authorities would perfectly incarnate the collective will and would thus meet no resistance, but only approval in their operations, which would, of course, include the distribution of offices of wealth, of an employment, etc., I'll bring this up to date for us. China liberalized for a while, economically. Then came Tiananmen. Then came more economic brutality that too many were willing to ignore. And then came more political oppression that too many yet were more willing and more willing to ignore. And now we end up where we are today with a regime arguably more dangerous and comminatory than the Soviet Union ever was. Caution, I say arguably, even as more and more American corporatists and certainly professional athletics has no problem with any of this and has done the propagandist's job of sugarcoating, covering up, and appeasing. We had that in the 70s and 80s, too, with the Soviet Union. They just never had the economic strength, the economic liberty piece that allowed for their propaganda we now have with China 
and the willing accomplices happy to take their prime cuts. There were no prime cuts out of the Soviet Union. As we study and relearn the roots of modern conservatism, let us not forget the economic lessons either. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Delighted to have Chris Llewellyn, our vice president of all things important, as our uh, producer pro tem today. Chris, thanks for doing it. Appreciate it. Bill will be back tomorrow. Hey, Chris, good welcome. If you give us a call, 602-508-0960. You doing well? Glad to be here. Glad all, to see you. all good on the uh, Western Front? I, I suppose. Yeah. Okay, you're it's west of me. I had As to, good as it is. I am to, I west of you? Yeah. Uh, North, east, southwest. Great on the radio and great with directions. I'm totally wrong. Yeah, I don't think that's right. They it's not right at all. You're north of me. I was about to say, I felt north. You are north. Okay. North. Of me. But you know what? What? You being able to admit when you're wrong, even better. It happens once in a while. You got to admit it. Someone told me the other day, just because I'm smart doesn't mean I'm right about everything. I disagree with that, by the way. Hmm. Hmm. Really? Yeah. Are you a March Madness fan? A lot of people are. It's that time of year. Uh, March Madness, drama, inspiration. In recent years, one of the little known inspiring March Madness stories was the rise of UConn's basketball program under Hall of Fame coach Jim Calhoun. Born to Lead, it's the newest film on Salem now, showcasing Jim Calhoun's and UConn's story. From losing his father at a young age, instantaneously becoming the man of his family as a teenager, to his rise through coaching ranks and eventually leading UConn to three NCAA championships. Born to Lead features interviews with Mike Krzyzewski, Jim Beheim, former UConn and NBA superstars Ray Allen and Richard Hamilton. Get ready for March Madness by watching Born to Lead, now available at SalemNow.com. That's Born to Lead at SalemNow.com. Use the promo code PHOENIX for additional savings. Did I cut you off? Are you are you a college ball guy? No. You strike me what? as one. You know a lot about Who knows more about sports, you or Bill or Jeremy? Um, Bill probably knows older, more reverent He knows things. classic, yes. Yeah, that... I'll bet you I know more current-ish things. I bet that's right. Baseball would be my thing. Yeah. But then whenever you tell someone, you're like, oh, I know baseball. And they'll be like, well, who was the starting shortstop of the 1983 Orioles? And I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, yeah. I was born. Yeah. I know things now. Yeah. But he knows that stuff. Yeah, that's that's Bill. That's exactly right. But um, did you, were you, did you, there used to be a sports guy in town named Lee Hamilton, Hacksaw Lee Hamilton. Did you ever call into his radio show in the no. 80s? I remember you. I mean, I worked at, I worked with some of the sports stations here before yeah. it was here. Here was yeah. the the big more recent guys I've worked with, but no, I didn't. Okay, well we have you, and we're glad to have you. you. If you have any sports references you need to insert, when I feel it bubbling up and boiling, I will. Ab- I'll just spurt out. Just do you know who Jim Mora is? Of course, his son also had. He was a former Jim Mora was the Colts coach, yeah. and then his son Jim Mora Jr. was a coach with the Forty ers Who was Jim Mora's college roommate? <laughs> this is a this, this is the kind of stuff people should know. This is when I say I know about baseball. That was just your 83 shortstop for the Orioles moment. I, I that was no First idea. of all, we're in football now. Yes, that's true. But I don't know. I don't know. room. Uh, you know what? Roommates, you don't know roommates? <laughs> you don't know college roommates? Is that what you were going to say? No, not you, my specialty. Roommate. You don't know college roommates. I'm so sorry. Who was his roommate? Now I'm dying to know. Jack Kemp. Oh, okay. Yeah. Bills. Yeah. 
Have you seen what's going on at the border lately, the southwestern border? Unfortunately, we, you and I were there. Together we were time. there together. What was that? Two years ago? It felt. I mean, it feels. Andy like Biggs took us on a fact-finding trip. It was a great group. Have you gone and thought back about that trip? I Think mean, about people, that delegation. The people that we right, had Matt there, Gates. Matt, Matt Gates wasn't right. known to the public. Right. And look at who he is now. Right. We were with Matt Gates. Right. Uh, you, me, Andy Biggs. Yeah. Our GM. I mean, the people that were there. It was. Uh, it was an amazing event. We yeah. Went to. Yeah. Uh, and the guy from Wisconsin. Yeah. I'm forgetting everyone's name. I, know, I am too. Who are we in the? I mean, our car ride was fascinating yeah. as well. There were some of us. I don't remember who it, it was. It was entirely enlightening. Part of it was how porous the border was. We were watching um, people cross in front of us illegally. Remember? And then we watched. You were, uh, you were on an interview. Mm-hmm. You were like on. I was phone. doing an interview. Was it TV or radio or something? I was on an interview. And we saw a group just illegally cross. And then you and I did a cross. We did an illegal back and forth. I I mean, it wasn't illegal for us, but we showed how easy it could be. Because there's a point where the fence just stopped. Yeah. It just stopped. It, it, the wall just literally yeah, stopped. Yeah, it like, ended. I, I videoed you on one side. That's right. And then, I, and then you're like, watch this. That's Two right. Two seconds later, you walked over. And that was all before we Any of then this. caught right. an actual like event. Then we were in a high-speed chase. High do you remember speed. that? Yeah, I have it on video still. You do? Uh-huh. Well, the Trump administration, quoting from Fox News, put in place a number of protections to deal with the crisis and um, and what we call pull factors of migrants north. A pull factor is obviously the magnetic idea, the, 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 the enticement that brings people over the border. And while critics called many of the policies cruel, numbers declined dramatically. And the practice of catch and release by which migrants were released into the interior of the United States was ended. By the way, this was all before COVID. However... The Biden administration has undone a lot of these policies because if Trump, then bad, if not Trump, then good. Right. Uh, Including the migrant protection protocols, which keep migrants in Mexico for their hearings and agreements with what are known as the Northern Triangle countries just below that. And they have been struggling with a dramatic surge in migration in recent weeks, particularly in unaccompanied children and families. Now, what's amazing about this is while the Biden administration has refused to call this a crisis, it's a crisis. It's a crisis with over 4,000 arrests at the border per day. And children, guess what? Guess what? Children are being separated from their parents and put in. You don't have to call them cages if you don't want to. But they're detention facilities, they're prisons, and there's no one checking up on them and no one visiting them, and there's no Bette Midler crying about them, and there's no Deborah Messing tweeting about them, and there's no Hollywood defending them. Why? Because it's Biden doing it. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. 334 brings us John Dombrowski from Grand Canyon Planning Associates. GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. He does a culture and economy update every day at this time. JD, happy Tuesday. Hello there. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How are you? Great. Hey, Dan, you know, we had a birth and a death on this date. We did. Two important people. Let me think. I can't do a birth and a death on this date. Well, that's two a little bit different. Is it than the each same other. person? No. That would be interesting. That would be interesting. But no, we hit. I bet that's happened. It probably has. We should. We need to check that out. In 1959, 
uh, way back in the 50s. <laughs> I think I know who you're going to do. On March 9th, Barbie. I think Barbie. I got, uh-huh. Barbie, the Barbie doll. Didn't you think she was older than that? Yeah, I, would I think did so. I didn't realize she wasn't around until 1959. And then in 1996, George Burns on this day passed away. Is that right? Yes. Is Gracie and, right? Him and his. Say goodnight, Gracie. Say goodnight, Gracie, and his, with his big cigar on. Yeah, time. George Burns. Yeah. God love that man. Well, he did. He was God. He, he, he was. God loved him. <laughs> oh, God. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh, my gosh. Good day in the markets today. Yeah, and everything's about tech. Talk to me. Yeah, so it's interesting. We did see uh, over the past couple of weeks, and if you look since the beginning of the year, uh, tech has been in, in, in sort of a little bit of a turmoil here because the, the challenge was is some of the valuations on some of the tech stocks were uh, relatively high compared to the average um, price-to-earnings ratio of the market in general. And so this was a, a little bit of an issue for the markets. And once we started to see interest rates creeping up, uh, this puts some pressure on some of those high valuation tech stocks. Some of them dropping as much as 25, 30 percent in value, Seth, in a very short period of time. Huh. E- example, uh, Tesla dropping about 25 percent in value yeah. over this period of time. But today, Tesla rallying back and a lot of others as well, up over 10 percent uh, of their uh, since their you know drop in value. So uh, a good rally for tech stocks today it gives us a little bit of, uh, I guess, a comfort, a feel that maybe. Uh, there's a little bit of stability coming back into the market here. And interest rates, again, settling in a little bit lower today as well. Interest rates settling in lower, but inflation expectations, there's this headline mm-hmm. rise right. a, a little bit. Talk to me about that. Yeah, I mean, I still believe, and I think we all feel it out there. I mean, the other day was really interesting. I went to get gas in my car, and two of the the grades of fuel were actually out. The only oh, fuel is that they right? had was premium. Yeah, They didn't have the 87 or 89 octane. They had the 91% octane. No kidding. Of course, the price of that is probably close to $4 plus dollars I was going to say it's gone up about three times in the last seven or eight weeks. Hasn't yeah, it? so prices are uh, quite a bit higher. There's your little bit of, you know, we feel it as uh, consumers, sure. the inflation. Uh, cost of, we talked about this earlier, the cost of building a home, cost of some food out there is rising. Uh, labor, I think, you know, it's interesting, you know, the Democrats are trying to push for this $15 minimum wage nationally. But, you know, if there's a shortage of labor, which there could certainly be as we begin to open up again, Seth, many people either are retiring. There's a study recently that people are considering not going back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and many of them are trying to wait out maybe the extended unemployment benefits, and then they're going to decide they're not going to go back into the workforce. Um, so... Uh, there could be a shortage of labor, and that generally would lend itself to higher wages, right? Because as we start to see people are trying to uh, find employees, they may have to raise their uh, dollars that they're willing to pay. So we could start to see a little bit of inflation in jobs uh, you know, as well. Do you think uh, – Steve Moore was on TV the other day. I know you know who he is, the yep. economist. Yep, and yep. Um, he was debating uh, parts of the stimulus legislation – and he was debating someone talking about, you know, unemployment. And he said, when you when you talk about unemployment right now, please understand you're talking about five states. You're talking about right. five states that are driving this. The rest of the states are doing pretty good. Right. Is right. that a fair assessment? Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I obviously he's, he's delved into this quite deeply. Yeah. And, it, and we know a number of those bigger states, yeah. of course, from California and, and New York being part of those. Yeah, those are the two of the five. Sure. Uh, right. The drivers. Um, so and those are the two big, biggest right. states. Right. So, you know, it is interesting to see, uh, you know, I've tried to hire people over my career. And there have been often times when we had no problems finding good yep. good people. But then there have been those times when we've had a lot of difficulty. And it has been very difficult over the past couple of years, Seth, to find uh, good quality people 
um, to hire for a specific, you know, a job that we're looking for. And that is, I think that's good. Good for the unemployment. Uh, yeah, yeah, I think it's yeah. great. That's I the mean, problem we want to have. Yeah, that yeah. is exactly a the problem we want. A top shelf problem, as they it, say. Exactly right. So uh, I think this could be uh, a turning point for us. And if that's the case, uh, then here we go. We're going to be in for a nice ride, hopefully, over the next few years here. Nicely stated, John. Thank you, sir. All right. If folks have any questions about their retirement planning, need help on that, they certainly can reach out to my website, GrandCanyonPlanning.com, and request an appointment. Securities and advisory services is offered to Client One Securities LLC, a member of FinRed Sipic and an investment advisor. Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. And your show on this station? The Word on Wealth on 7 a.m. KKNT, Saturday mornings. You bet. Thank you. J.D., talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 602-508-0960. We'll be right back. Sundays at 11 a.m. Welcome back. Your dreams were your ticket Welcome back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show, 602-508-0960. I take it every single day. It's balance of nature. And I've been taking it now a little over a year, and it's a remarkable product because one daily dose gives you ten servings of fruits and vegetables, the real stuff. Apples to pineapple garlic to spinach and carrots and kale, all of them, all of the fruits and veggies are natural, fine ripened, and picked at their peak of ripeness. There's no sugar, there's no chemicals, there's no GMOs, and it gives you tens of thousands of vital nutrients every day. It's kept me well ever since I've been taking it. I'm prone to colds during the seasonal changes. Don't get them anymore, not since I've been taking Balance of Nature. Sometimes you hear me sniffle and cough a little bit. That's just allergies and uh, sometimes an allergic reaction to the cleaning agents they use here. But I have not gotten sick since I've been taking Balance of Nature. I love it. And I know you will too, because I have had friends and family take it and they love it. And Balance of Nature is making it easy for you. Free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. That preferred order is a great thing because it guarantees you wholesale pricing. You can have a personal health coach too for free if you want it. Comes with the comes with the uh, preferred order, but free shipping and thirty five percent off. Just give them a call at eight hundred two four six eight seven fifty one, or go to balanceofnature.com dot com and use discount code balance. You'll be glad you did. Once heard Hugh Hewitt say some years ago, Chris, tell me if this is right. You've worked in TV as well as radio. That producers in television tell the host what to do, or set the agenda and book things and that sort of thing. In radio, it's nearly the opposite. It's more host-driven, and the producer kind of goes along with what the host is looking for. Except that doesn't happen with you and me. You treat me like this is TV, and you tell me what to do. So during the commercial break, just to let the audience know, you said, Seth, you've got to play that Biden audio. And I said... That's exactly how it went down. It is exactly how it went down. And I said, okay, just throw out all the Aristotle I had ready for you. Throw out all the abstruse Plato I was going to throw at you. Throw out everything I was going to say about the border and COVID. Chris wants me to play Biden audio. It's important. It's important because we're living a lie right now. We're living the lie, a grand lie, that we have a cognizant, able, 
president of the United States. We're living the lie that everything is just fine. Things are not just fine. Things are not just fine. We have now gone for the first time, as far as I know, at least since the invention of television, first time this long with a new president not holding a solo press conference. First time in history. This is really weird, given especially how big the issues are. My wife said the exact same thing to Pandemic. me. Pandemic. She's, like, she's like, have we not had one? Border crisis. We have not. Do you tell your wife what audio to play to at home? Or do you just exercise your authoritarian personality disorder here at the show? I'm just like, I make up for it here. Okay. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we're glad to be able to absorb the shock so that you see, can I'm have s- marital bliss. Yeah, I'm still married. I, so yes, I, I get it. I get it. We're living a lie. The fact that he cannot handle a solo press conference when we have major problems, pandemics, schools, border crisis, stimulus bill. My gosh. A week ago in talking about his stimulus bill, play audio one. This is what he said a week ago with a teleprompter. The vast majority of economists left, right and center from Wall Street to the to the private private uh, 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 economic uh, polling initiatives. The economists, as I said, left, right, and center, say, in addition to the needs the people have, we need this to grow the economy. That if we haven't spent this money and recreated the kind of incentive for people to be able to make a good living, that we'd be in real trouble. Now, I'll grant you I'm not um, the all-being master of the dictionary and language, but I've never heard of private economic polling initiatives. I have no idea what those are, and neither does he. He was reaching for any number of sentences to get through that sentence. Play it again. Do it again. The vast majority of economists, left, right, and center, from Wall Street to the, to the private private. Uh, 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 economic uh, polling initiatives. No idea what he's talking about, and neither does he. Pretty scary. Until yesterday, or two days ago, I think we did this two days ago, worth re-airing, where he doesn't know the name of his Secretary of Defense or the name of the place the Secretary of Defense works. End of a speech with a teleprompter nominating females to the Department of Defense. He gives you this. I just want to thank you both, and I want to thank the 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 uh, former general, I keep calling him general, but my, my, uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there, uh, I want to make sure we thank the secretary for all he's done to try to implement what we've just talked about and for recommending these two women for promotion. Thank you all. May God bless you all and may God protect our troops. Take it again from the top. Can I just point out, I don't mean to interrupt you, but they have the the words yeah it, it, <laughs> take comedy, it do it again the, do it again we'll discuss it do i want to thank you both and i want to thank the the, the uh, former general i keep calling him general but my my uh, the guy who runs that outfit over there the general who uh-huh. runs the outfit over there he is talking about his secretary of defense who runs the pentagon we call it the pentagon you know the thing what were you going to point out chris the closed captioning at the oh, I know. They're, they're attempting. You know how far back the closed captioning is attempting? I know. <laughs> I know. And we're operating under this really 
bad joke of an idea that we have a president in maintenance of his capacities, in control of his capacities. We don't. This is why he has not done a solo press conference. Anyone heard anything about a State of the Union coming up? Don't we usually have those discussed around this time of year? Has the House even invited him to the State? No. What the House has done is put forward legislation to make sure he and he alone is not responsible for nuclear launch codes so that they can disperse the authority. Scott Johnson at Powerline calls him the president from Madame Tussauds, the Wax Museum. That may be generous. That may be generous. But it doesn't make it any more safe or secure for the United States of America. 6025080960. We'll be right back. I knew it from the start. I saw your face and that's the last I've seen of my heart. It's not so much the things you say to me. It's not the Welcome back to the Seth Leibson Show. One of the great intellectual giants of our age, Robert P. George of Princeton University, is going to join us at the top of the next hour to talk about a new initiative he's involved in. I mentioned it yesterday, having to do with free speech on college campuses. Robbie George, as he's known colloquially. And then what we need to do is find some elementary and secondary school Robbie Georges and others my gosh, what's going on? If there is not a case for homeschooling that the public institutions have made over the past year, including the private institutions, I don't know what has. Here's a fancy school uh, in Los Angeles, private, $45,000 a year. Uh, school website offers things for 11th and 12th graders, including immunology, astronomy, neuroscience, and pharmacology. Sounds pretty good. Hard sciences, right? But physics look different these days, Barry Weiss writes. We don't call them Newton's laws anymore, an upperclassman at the school informs me. We call them the three fundamental laws of physics. They say we need to decenter whiteness, and we need to acknowledge that there's more than just Newton in physics. So kids will just no longer know who Isaac Newton was. Okay. That's education. No, it isn't. It's insanity. It's insanity. You can teach Isaac Newton and Newton's laws without teaching what color he was. I have no idea until I, until I looked into it. I had no idea what color he was. That's the point about color. It's meaningless. But that isn't the point about gravity and the laws of physics. They are fixed, like our humanity. You're trying to take something like color, which is irrelevant, and apply it to something like physics. There's no such thing as black physics or white physics or Hispanic physics or any other. There is physics. 
Just as there's no such thing as her truth or his truth or my truth and your truth, there is truth. There is physics. And the color of the person talking about it doesn't matter. The color of the person teaching it doesn't matter. The color of the person learning it doesn't matter. It's true irrespective of color. It's true irrespective of eyesight. It's true irrespective of your ability to hear or not. It's true. The grafting of color onto these things is leading to a less informed society and, quite frankly, a crazy society. These people are nuts.